Hello, welcome back to Why Did Peter Sink? This is part three of databases and red light districts. The red light district in the city is meant to be an outlet for the restless and the wild and the searching to blow off steam, a place for lawlessness to play out within acceptable limits. The unwritten rule is this. If you want to be risky and maybe destroy yourself, just go do it over here in this corner. It's a silent agreement. Town festivals are just small versions of Fat Tuesdays for the locals. A culture or society needs a Purim or a Fat Tuesday or a Carnivale or a parade or a keg party or prom to let it all hang out for a bit because it pe keeps people sane. However, the allowance of the rowdy corner or the wild night or the long weekend party only makes sense if a return to normalcy and rules happens once it's over. You'll notice that Halloween is followed by All Saints Day and Fat Tuesday is followed by Ash Wednesday. Lent, a period of fasting and prayer, is followed by the Feast of Easter. What's interesting in the Christian liturgical calendar is that these outlets are built into the year, every year, because there's, there's an awareness of this need to sin, to burn off the slag, as if perhaps we have actually learned something over time. Maybe from the 30,000 years of human history, we have learned something. Maybe wandering the African savanna to the caves of France to crossing the Bering Strait and living in the empires of Sumeria and Mesopotamia and China and Egypt and Greece and Rome taught us some things. Maybe the smart people passing down oral tales figured a few things out and warned us in stories about why full lockdown and full license are both not really great ideas. Maybe, just maybe there's some wisdom passed down to us through these silly myths and oral stories that came from these toothless flyover, flyover illiterate goat herders from ancient times that we sophisticated internet and smartphone users might benefit from if we can take a break from our Netflix and porn. One of these stories is the play called The Bacchae by the Greek playwright Euripides. It tells the story of Pentheus, a man who tries to defeat the god of wine and, and partying, Dionysus. So to make a long play short, Pentheus ends up getting ripped to pieces by the Menads which is another way of saying the wild women, because he tries to peek and watch and disrupt their annual ritual celebration where these women let it all hang loose. The whole point of this play is what I'm talking about in this post. The Bacchae, this is from Sparknotes, I'm quoting, the Bacchae depicts a struggle to the death between the twin forces of control or restraint and freedom or release, and permits Dionysus to provide an answer to this question. The God's implicit message is that not only is there space within society for the irrational, but that such a space must be allowed for that society to exist and to thrive. By denying or opposing the irrational, as Pentheus did, the person who opposes it, or the society that denies it, will be torn apart. So you see the, that we can talk about database design and Greek tragedy in the same post. 
While this play may seem to go into some strange notions, the point is clear, and the United States Congress should have read this play before passing the Prohibition of Alcohol Amendment, as that marriage of law and excess order gave birth to a Mount St. Helens-style eruption named Al Capone and organized crime. In more recent history, we were able to observe the lockdowns for COVID, where the state put very strict rules on everyone, but they left liquor stores open as essential businesses, which seemed to be the one element of minor rebellion allowed. And in response, people took to drinking heavily during the lockdown as a coping strategy. However, staring into our computer screens and drinking did not help us very much because soon many of the cities in the United States were in flames and rioting went on for month after month as people violated the lockdown by going out and breaking into auto zones and burning them down and other stores. So the lockdown led to this upside down. On the one hand, we had complete control. And while in other areas, there was total lawlessness. And this happened with both the left and the right, if you're talking about politics. So it's not like just one side went crazy in the state of extreme legalism and lockdown during COVID. The decision to leave liquor stores open is one thing. That is leaving a little element area out for the fringe to party in. But then another decision came. The churches were closed. That was the interesting thing. The churches were closed, but then the strip joints were granted the status of being essential businesses. That, to me, was the summary statement of the COVID era in America, because it highlighted how upside down our leadership and culture has become. Or rather, it simply revealed a reality that was already in existence, but just hadn't been made fully known, at least not to me. This upside down world had finally shown its true face. So was it, was it God's will to have liquor stores and strip joints and abortion clinics be open and celebrated while churches were closed? Apparently so. And most likely it was done so that we could observe the madness that ensued and then choose how we want to live our lives. The nation had long held the word God on its lips, but never had it been so clear that it has really just only been lip service. Now, if there is one common thread in the stories of the Bible from the beginning to the end is that turning away from the living God leads to disorder. And no sooner did churches get shuttered in California than massive riots erupted. Correlation is not causation, but what strange luck for the devil for those two things to happen in succession. A moment in 2020 struck me when suddenly I understood why Abraham was called out of Haran. He had to leave the culture behind. He had to leave it. He could not stay in it. And for three months straight, cities across America belch smoke into the sky, night and day. I saw places that I formerly walked and frequented in Portland, Oregon, being boarded, being boarded up or burned to the ground. Uh, then we saw the Capitol building in Washington, D.C., invaded by a horde and uh, the January 6th riot. So it was difficult not to see the events that played out as biblical because the pattern matched eerily well to those old Bronze Age myths from those smelly backward goat herders who wrote the Old Testament. The dilemma of the ancient people was suddenly shoved near to each of us. 
the illusion of the nation that we had been living in disappeared. It was like a glossy polish of a tabletop hiding a rotten and termite-eaten wood structure. And so like makeup removed from a face, we saw what America really had become. The empire was finally fully unveiled. And as an empire can only come by elevating human desires to be higher than humility before God, like all empires, the pursuit of power and wealth and pleasure and honor eventually drives itself off a cliff. Empire is an attempt at self-salvation. It is the direct ambition of pride. But in the end, like a cell that refuses to live and die in its seasons, empire is a massive, unspoken suicide pact made among millions of people. Empire is the story of a cancer cell writ large. In making itself the most important thing above God, an empire ends up killing the nation. A wise nation has its seasons and abides with fear of God. An empire ignores the seasons and thinks it will never die. And it does. So as soon as a nation or people justifies its decisions by the wrong kind of freedom, then the unraveling starts. And there's two ways to, call, to look at freedom. One is the freedom of indifference, and the other is the freedom for excellence. This is extremely simple and ties into everything else I repeat here all the time. We can choose the fruit, or we can choose to obey God. Choosing the former, that's the wrong kind of freedom, the freedom of indif indifference, is the predecessor to disorder, chaos, and eventually war. Order spins into chaos when the wrong definition of freedom takes hold of a person or of a group of people or of a country. And you can witness this on both sides of American politics. The pendulum swings, but unlike a clock pendulum, on the bottom of this is a knife or an axe, and it's slicing into that which occupies the middle. To avoid the knife, sides must be chosen. And as the pendulum is lowered, the knife gets closer, and the sides must flee further apart. After all, the one thing we know we want is self-preservation, not death. We want self-salvation. Like the Greeks before Alexander, like Rome before Caesar, like France before Louis XV, like Germany before Hitler, all of these model the same problem that is told about Babylon. These are the stories of empire, and we tend to idealize the ancient emperors and see the most recent ones as monstrous. But rest assured, they are all monstrous. No sociologist or historian or political scientist need explain it, as the people feel this fragmentation happening again today. The lust for national power brought us to a lust for everything, and the desire for money and power created dirty deeds and deals and compromised morality. Secret wars brought and bought our affluence, and affluence brings pride, more of it. It was already there, and it just ballooned. The bad example of how power and wealth was gained leads straight to the desires of individuals that need no more justification than, I want it, and don't tell me what to do. If the winners cheated to get their spot on the podium, then so shall we all. And if the winners cheated, so can we.